What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Bridger Bridge Podcast. I'm your host, Big Mike. And I'm Don Bate. On today's episode, we've got Mark Suchu, Thrasher's 2021 Skater of the Year. Unreal skater, intellectual, artist, creator, all-around amazing human being, and does he dethrone Jeremy Fish? You'll have to listen and find out. You'll have to listen and find out. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you joining the Bridge to Bridge podcast. Lots to discuss. I know it's been been kind of a crazy year for you, but you're from the Bay Area, right? Yeah, I am. And yeah, what part, awesome what, to be here. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm from the Bay Area, like an hour south of SF in Saratoga, California. And, and did you grow up like coming to the Bay, skateboarding a lot, or was that did you skate more in Saratoga? Definitely. I mean, I I guess when I was growing up, like the first couple years of skating, I would just skate in front of my house and the little boxes that my dad would build for me. I had a two stair in front of my house. So I skated that for years, flat bar off it and everything. But my, I, my family would take trips up to SF on the weekends. And I just always had a kind of fascination and awe of the city and of cities in general. So when I started really getting into skating and like filming and looking for street spots, that's when I started going to SF a lot. Like I started filming with, with like actual local filmers around 12. And then I made good friends with my homie, Mike Thompson at like 13 or yeah, around 12 or 13, probably 13. And my mom would drive me up to his place in Millbrae. And then we'd take the BART into the city and just skate around. And that's, we were filming for that video, Mortigi Tempo. How was Saratoga PD or San Jose PD? Are they pretty skate friendly? Or, or what would you say is the most skate friendly police department in the Bay Area? Like, you know, you're- In the Bay? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Maybe SJ, SF, I don't know. Because I always felt the same way about cops until I came to the East Coast. And then I was like, wow, these police officers don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. They just, they, Thrasher should do a most skate friendly police department in the country award each year. You know, <laughs> that would be yeah. rad. But then, then uh, I'm sure they would take note of it and realize they're being too lenient. Yeah. Right. That would mess uh, up. I got, I, let's see, I got tickets for skating in San Jose and in, I think I got a ticket in SF. Maybe, maybe not. But people, SF cops were dicks to me, but they definitely had more shit going on than in San Jose. Jose. Yeah. Well, San Jose is pretty crazy. Um, so when you were like younger, you, you started to, I'm sure, explore the, the possibility of being a professional skateboarder. You probably got a lot better um, over the years. You know, what was that moment where you were kind of like, damn, this is something that I can make money doing. And this is something that I can do like as my profession. Fuck, I don't know. I think I I think I just never really questioned that because I started skating so young that I just always wanted to do that and always imagined being a pro skater. And like, I, you know, I wasn't actually doing any research. Like, what could I do this for a living? Is this possible? I just assumed skaters got paid like anybody else. I remember uh, reading in an interview when I was like 12 or something that Mikey Taylor had an Acura Integra. 
And I was, I just automatically assumed that it must look exactly like a fucking, the, the car that my neighbors were driving, like some nice SUV, like top of the line. I was like, damn, that's the car I want, an Acura Integra. <laughs> but during high school, when everybody else was getting ready to go to college, and when I was being asked by friends, parents, you know, what do you want to do for a living? And I wasn't going to be so bold as to just be like, yeah, I want to be a pro skater. Um, since I knew they'd have follow-up questions for me that I wasn't going to be able to answer. I would say things like, oh, I want to work at a skateboard magazine. I want to bridge the gap between writing and skateboarding. Cause I was into English and poetry in high school. And that always was a good answer for people. You know, they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. That's cool. When you're going through like the graduate gauntlet, like uh, you seen that movie, the graduate with Hoffman. Yeah, for sure. Where they're just firing the questions. He's like, I'm out, dude. Like, <laughs> I was always the worst, dude. And you're just like, you give a polished answer or something that you just actually like have no interest in. And you're like, yep. all right, like, what did I just do? Yeah. I mean, it's way too big a question to be able to solve like the way that people want you to have those answers ready. When you were, when you were 12, did you put in a lot of hours? When did you start putting in five, six hour days, skating, eight hour days, 12 hour days? Probably like, probably like eight, nine, <laughs> definitely nine. I remember I would go, I would go to this, to the first skate park I ever skated, Rangsdorf Park in Mountain View. I would go there and spend a lot of time just like learning how to drop in and stuff around eight years old. And then I would come home and I would skate in the yard. And then, you know, if my, if my mom needed to get groceries on the way home, I'd just be skating in the parking lot. And that, that was like kind of always the thing. I remember in PE in high school, so either 14 or 15, they were like having us fill out forms for what kind of activities we did outside of school, what kind of, what kind of exercise we got. And they were like, how much exercise do you get? How many hours a day? And I wrote seven. Just thinking like, all right, I get off school at three and then I have to go to bed at 10. So I'm pretty much skating the whole time. So that was, I feel like that was it from maybe like eight until who knows, until I started like doing other stuff, right. you know, around the age of uh, like 18 when you start getting coffees with friends and shit like that. Did you, was it always just a, you know, someday like the time just flew by or was there a point where you were like, I got to do fundamentals. Like I don't want to skate for these last two hours, but I, I need to do, I'm not leaving until I get 50 kickflips straight, you know? No, uh, I do remember that. I do remember that being a thought because I was just like bored and wanted to see how many I could do. And it's like a contest with yourself, you know, like, can I do a hundred kickflips in a row? And I do remember <laughs> trying to fuck up my shoes. If I had like a pair I didn't like, I would just do so, so many kickflips just to fuck them up. So it proved to my parents that I needed a new pair. Nice. I would just try that. So people wouldn't call me a poser. I would just take the shoe <laughs> off and scrape it on the board. Cause I couldn't do the kickflip. And then some of what are you doing, dude? Like, Oh, nothing. I'm, I'm polishing the board. <laughs> hey, so when did the like first sponsors start coming through and, and did you feel like that kind of added a different aspect to your skateboarding as far as pressure goes and, and needing to produce? Hmm. So I got a shop sponsor. No, let's see. I got first sponsor was just like this dude, Craig Glover, who was the team manager of Shorties and Osiris, or maybe he was the, the kids team manager. Cause remember there was that whole program. Mm -hmm. 
but he just he just gave me like a box one box of shorties and osiris stuff and then a couple more boxes of, of osiris things because he was kind of phasing out of that and that i had no idea really what i was doing i was 10 so that's pretty young they came to town once and i skated with them and i was like trying to ollie the gaps that chris dobstaff was frontside half cab healing dude insane but then like 12 i got a shop sponsor which made me feel just acknowledged recognized it was right across the street from the skate park so it felt cool but it was like a mellow shop and no that i would think i was the first person they sponsored mm -hmm. there wasn't like a rigorous structure to like oh that guy's sponsored that guy's not he's trying to be he's not you know um but at this then 13 i got on power flow and i just i think i was stressing mostly over filming because the filming i was doing was with san jose people with richard devera was filming me and he was filming other people like john Nguyen, peter raffin daryl angel john troy mm -hmm. and i wanted to be on those guys level and was constantly trying to prove myself and they would you know we'd have these deadlines and i would think to myself like why can i do these like tech tricks on my box at home but can't do them in the streets like i got it like there's this big gap and that was probably stressing me out i don't think really the sponsors the sponsors were made were really stressing me too much i it was more of a stress of like being sponsored by people that you don't see all the time and you're like nervous about trying to tell them hey i've been skating well without without bigging yourself up or anything yeah did you partake in like a lot of contests and travel to a lot of places where contests were happening to kind of get your name out there or was it more just putting clips together and, and getting it out that way i um i skated contests when i was the first ones i remember doing like the first contest i won i was 10 there was uh right in front of circle a skate shop in downtown san jose there was I think it would circle. I put it on. It was just like they shut down the street in front and they put on three contests and uh, it was sponsored by energy boards that mm -hmm. uh, Ron Allen was backing. I think it was his company. And that was fun. I just did it because I did it because I was a kid and like kind of had no idea about skateboarding. Yeah. What'd you say? I mean, that was the, I mean, I, I, I partook in contests in the city had no business being in them, but you know, just you wanted to do it. You wanted to feel it out, try it out. I mean, yeah, I can imagine that's that was a good thing for you, right? For sure. And there were I, I remember hearing about stuff like Castle. I mean, I was like a 10 year old kid trying to be just like really enthralled by skateboarding and trying to get into it and wanted to do just that and and be acknowledged by other skaters and stuff. So I was like looking at Ryan Sheckler's bio. I remember that. And it's like, oh, he won all these Castle contests. I'm like, damn, what is this? Like, I want to be in that, but never jumped at that opportunity or anything. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what, how you get into that ship, but I would just do the contests that were at Sunnyvale park, which is the park I grew up skating. And mm -hmm. then I remember I went to a zoomies couch tour when I was 16 and that was when I was between sponsors, between Powell and trying to get on alien. So that I, I won that and I got like, I just, used all the zoomies money for boards i just took like 10 boards that i was set for the summer that was fun what when you st started coming to san francisco did you feel like it was kind of tough to make that transition as like a you know i mean you mentioned like being able to do stuff on your box at home and then struggling to kind of do it out in the streets 
you know, coming here, did you feel like you were able to kind of pick up on that pretty quickly or was that a struggle for a while? Um, yeah, you're kind of asking like, is what's it like to grow up skating street spots and getting used to how difficult it is to skate in a, in a kind of more like big city, city like, right. like SF. Um, mm -hmm. and I just remember like being really excited. I don't remember it being that difficult because there's just so much shit. Like, you know, remember the, the Greyhound station, Seven Stair? Yeah, Trans Bay. Yeah, that thing was so amazing. I just loved skating stairs back then, and that thing was so smooth. And we would skate spots around there. Like, there was this business, I don't know, the skyscraper with a plaza in front with, like, some random shit, like a manual pad, and then you can hit a flat ground trick and then go down a four stair and... It's just like I was I was 12 to 15 and able to find my own spots that were smaller and just exciting for me, like the the little brick ledge with that's on the bank. It's a knobbed spot that you skate the knob. Mm -hmm. That was always like so fun for me because I was watching Bobby Puglio skate small banks with good texture like that one. And I was just hyped. And then the the arrow gap down at on the Embarcadero. Right. Thing which is, is crazy. a tiny gap but yeah. perfect for a 13 year old you know so i i just think like yes street skating can be hard but in a city that's that big and when you're not trying to do exactly what everyone else is doing when you're fine doing your own stuff it was just it was really fun and easy to get into mark you seem like to me and i don't know you that well mike knows you better like someone when you were a kid where you maybe were frustrated because you saw where you wanted to be at and you just wanted to like get there ASAP as far as like, you know what I mean? Like wanting to be at the level ahead of where you were, you know, is that kind of something that was prevalent skating? And are you still feel like that? You know, that like, there's still so much you're like, I gotta be getting there. Or are you at this place where you're like, now I need to create stuff that that's, there's nothing to see and be like, I want to be there. I have to create that. Well, I think when I was a kid, I did feel like that, but at the same time, that doesn't accurately get at the whole picture because I think skating is just so much fun. And luckily, like people, there's so many skaters who talk about skateboarding just being for fun. So, yeah, you do want to progress and accomplish these things and like get to your like achieve your goals or whatever. But just like I think there's still a huge value placed on just skating with your friends and just like whatever, skating a bank to curb for two hours at a shitty skate park. And there's, you know, a clear line of progression throughout my adolescence or whatever. But I think it's kind of a stable line of also just having a great time the whole way through. But I do remember at like 18, losing sleep over, over the idea that like, holy shit, there's so much left to be done. I want to go to like that rail in, in Austin tech or in Houston, Texas, the tranquility rail. Like what if it's as small as it looks in the videos, maybe you could do this or that. Nobody's really done that. Like, Oh, what the fuck? Like, why don't people do this? What? I don't get it. People are just doing the same thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like fucking losing sleep, like front blunt flip out on a handrail. It's never been done, which right. I think I was thinking about that. You know, it's now you think like that's a, almost a, a token tech trick on a rail but back then like maybe maybe like one person had done it i can see it in my head the one that i'm thinking of but yeah so there was always there's always real moments where i was like 
so enthralled and excited by this by this vision I had of of progression and I think in the last year filming for Flora I really felt that way too like I had so much I wanted to do and always thinking about the next spot and the next trick and like fuck I want to just like go to I want to go to this the park first and like try to do try to see if I can do this on the flat bar like maybe that would work down a rail all the way up until the end and uh you know back in in mid-November 2021 and so I I didn't get around to doing a ton of those tricks so they're still in the back of my mind but like right now I'm just just trying to chill the fuck out because last year was so stressful and I've been like only cruising around when my friends are skating and if it feels fun or if like if I'm bored and I just want to do something I haven't been thinking about filming at all I've been trying to like actually unhinge my mind from filming and just like focus on normal shit yeah, Mike, Mike was saying you pumped out some some pretty high volume uh in 2021 as far as footage yeah it was a it was a busy year for sure <laughs> Yeah, the guy, the guy pumped out a lot of a lot of footage. Like, do, have you done a lot of like research and spent some time like understanding the business of skateboarding and and kind of that side to kind of better yourself and your position positioning within skateboarding as a business? No, definitely not. Is that something that you're like looking to to try and do, or are you just more for getting out there and 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 hitting tricks? Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh... I think the way I think about skating is like the actual act of it and the community I build from it. So like, you know, if I'm thinking on a more like career trajectory point of it, I'm like, okay, what, who do I want to be around? Who do, I, who do I want to surround myself with? Am I in a good spot? And the answer has always been for a long time. Yes. Like I love being on Adidas and uh, feel like everybody there has my back and, and from a career standpoint, I'm sure like if I wanted to explore non-skate jobs, I think I, I think I would be welcome to. So because I have that kind of safety net, I don't really think about the business side of it too much. I'm, I feel like secure in doing whatever feels right, which right now is just skating and going on trips and continuing to make projects with people that I like. Do you, do you have a good insulation for, you know, I assume you know, landing 2021 skater of the year and thrasher, do you have an insulation for all the inquiries and all the people trying to get a hold of you? Or do you just keep like an inbox sitting somewhere with like 20,000 unread messages? <laughs> like myself like, trying to get him on our show. <laughs> for this, you know, you're, you're a homie. So obviously I saw the message and I was down for other stuff like DM things. I can't read them all. So I just kind of, scan through and look for ones that look cool. I don't really accept too many, but like, I just, I still appreciate reading little things here and there. And sometimes you get a crazy one, like, Hey, your mom helped fix my wrists. My mom's a hand therapist. Your mom helped fix my wrists. Like congrats on, on the skater of the year. And I'll respond to something like that. But uh, for all the other like interviews and things like that, it's mainly they contact Adidas and then, Paul Shire will hit me up. So that feels good. I have like a kind of a network. Business manager, sort of speak. You know, I mean, looking at kind of who you are, 
I mean, I think you're an amazing skateboarder, but you know, we've heard that uh, you're really into movies and you mentioned that you like poetry and, and, and reading. Can you talk a little bit on how you've used that as kind of like a, a way to step away from skateboarding when you need to? Yeah. Well, I think so for me, for me, like my, my family, obviously not skaters. My dad was an engineer who grew up in Romania and really focused on school to get out of Romania and set up a life for himself and his family out here. My mom's a hand therapist, so a doctor helping other people. My brother was always, he's four years older than me. And my only, my only sibling, he's four years older than me, was always really good at school, went to Stanford, then got his master's at Stanford in, in computer programming and now works at Facebook. So a bunch of like high level professional jobs. And when I was, when I was growing up, you know, thinking about like, I just want to be a skater that always clicked in my head. I knew I was passionate about it and wanted to do it. But then when I was about 18, I wasn't going to school and I hurt my ankle and didn't, I wasn't able to skate and then realized like, okay, there's a huge, a huge part of my life that uh, is going unfulfilled or like that, you know, if I, if I can't skate at 40 or whatever, like I'm going to need to do something else. And I got to figure out what that is. Cause I was seeing my brother, like really get into, into reading. And my dad had used music, art, and literature as a way to, to acclimate and to um, to just really enter into American culture and to get a deeper sense of it. So I was like, okay, what what have I liked? What who am I outside of a skateboarder? And I gravitated to those kinds of art, mainly novels, but also just like nonfiction and poetry and film. And those things opened up, a, uh, opened up and spoke to a part of me that wasn't always fulfilled by skateboarding. So then when I started back skating after that ankle injury, when I was 18, I was skating all the time, realizing that this now skating wasn't fulfilling every part of me. So I, there was there, a duality kind of opened up and I realized, okay, this part of my life is not being fulfilled. And that's the part of my life that I'm going to live with at 40, 50, 60 when I can't skate. So don't forget 70 and 80 and 90. <laughs> you're, you're rolling there easy. <laughs> Thanks. So then I burned myself out a little bit on, on skating, just like, you know, finally getting on Habitat and hooking up with Adidas and traveling the world and like going to really cool places. but but not getting such deep intellectual experiences since I was out of school and seeing my friends have those same, those experiences be fulfilled in that way. Like my parents are and speak about and my brother. So I went to school and then I was like, all right, this is amazing. So now after coming back from school, I feel like those two sides of my personality are both fulfilled. And now in a normal week, I'll go out skating, work on a video, hang out with friends and explore the city and be active, but also come home and read or watch really good movies and like have a dialogue with myself, if not anyone else, about, about the, the, 
themes I'm interested in and I'm exploring in my own head. Like, you know, uh, for November, I'm, I was, I just had a little game with myself where I was like, all right, I'm going to, in everything I watch and read, I'm going to pick top three, top three instances of conversation. Like when two people are having an amazing conversation, like what is it going to be from all the books and movies I watch and read? And that was a fun thing. So I'm just like kind of exploring and having exploring ideas and having a conversation with myself in my head. And that was a big month of skating too. So I'm doing these two things at once and it feels like I'm fulfilling myself and just having a good time overall. Dude, tell us about a very cool project. I only got to look at it briefly. Uh, Life Before seemed like an amazing project that you were a part of and uh, something I need to grab. But maybe you can tell us a little more about that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Here it is. This is a book that my friend Theo Constantino made. He his brand Paradigm Publishing is a publishing company that he started in uh, 2013. And that's about the time I met him. He was putting out his first book then. And he got me on board. We were both really stoked about books. That's right when I went to when I started going to school for literature. And over the years, we formed a really deep connection that was always grounded by our love of of books. And I would copy edit stuff for him, just look over things, make sure there weren't any typos. And I wrote an introduction for a book he published, Photographs by John Rentschler of Love Park in the final days of love. So I was like kind of a little bit of a part of that. And now he's moving on to other things and he wanted to make a book showcasing all of the the relationships and connections he had formed uh, over the past 10 years of making books or eight years, nine years. And that all the artists are in this book and he gathered them. There's 14 of them. He gathered them together and asked them to make art in response to the idea of climate change and the way that our climate, it will soon be, be irrevocably changed and will change our life. So this is, the title Life Before gets at the way that these artists have imagined life before climate takes over our lives. I mean, in some ways it has, you know, these forest fires, these huge storms, you know, the pandemic. But sewage sewage spills. That's a popular one by me right now. Is Yeah. Because I surf a lot out in Venice and the, the, the spills are like, I feel like it's every other week, 8 wow. million gallons, you know, you're like. Oh my okay. God. Yeah. Whew. So these are, uh, yeah, that was the question. Life before, what's life, what is life before? And these people, these artists and friends of mine and Theo's work together to, well, sorry, they worked separately on their own ideas, but we came together over Zoom and like chatted and got each other inspired, talked about what we were going to do. And I wrote the introduction for it, trying to coalesce the ideas of the group and to just talk about what paradigm is, the collective, the family. And yeah, it was this, this is a collaboration with Adidas. So Adidas helped fund the publishing of the book and Theo released a capsule with, with Adidas, like some, a bag, shoes, the, what is it? Tracksuit. And yeah. Tracksuit. Tell me more. Tell me more about the tracksuit. Yeah. It's dope. The pants are amazing. And yeah, there's a Jersey too. Very cool. Are there some other projects similar to that that you're working on for the future that you can kind of talk about or? Actually, I don't think I have any right now. 
uh, my my future is looking really i just like cleaned the the plate i'm just just sitting back right now relaxing the only thing i have in in the offing is uh the Saudi trip where's that gonna be at i think we're gonna go to sardinia dude yeah. that's that's gangster our, our father's from sicily similar nice. upbringing you know i know you mentioned your pops in romania our dad came from sicily and actually was uh working in waste management oh shit literally like you know was up at three in the morning every day working hard and was able to pay for us to go to school and bringing you know, mike skateboards that he'd find <laughs> in um that people had thrown away i remember he brought home a couple skateboards for mike for sure <laughs> that's awesome that's crazy so i mean i think that's all amazing um you know we look back at your at your last year and and all the parts that you put in and some of the folks that you worked with can you talk a little bit about working with some of the filmers and and you know how they kind of helped you uh, along the way yeah for sure so the filmers that i that who played the biggest role in this were justin albert and matt schleier the footage that i put out in 2021 came from 2020 and 2021 with the most footage probably coming from last year 2021 and but it started this batch of footage kind of started during the pandemic after at the beginning of 2020 i broke my foot in the bay area and then came back to new york and just started getting into skating again when the pandemic hit and so Matt Schleier and I, Matt Schleier lives in Brooklyn. We, you know, hesitantly at first started going out into the city when other people weren't, weren't around and when businesses weren't in session and we skated all these spots that, that weren't really skatable before. That's how we got the courthouse to blubba line because the traffic was so light and the, there were fewer pedestrians. Um, but yeah, we, we got maybe like four minutes of footage during the pandemic during the worst of the pandemic you know from like march to june of 2020 and then i hadn't seen my mom in a while so i'd missed her birthday so uh i went and stayed with her in saratoga and in 2020 and was just skating with justin the whole time i stayed for like three months because i got sketched on the flight about traveling and it just felt good to be She's got a backyard, you know, it just felt good to be out there after being cooped up in New York during the pandemic. So skated with Justin and that's, and also Max Scharf from Spitfire, mm -hmm. because I was just at the beginning of the pandemic, that's when I got on Spitfire. And I was thinking like of, of filming a Spitfire part by the end of 2020, but that didn't happen. So I was filming with Mac and with Justin and then at the end of the summer, I came back to New York and kept filming with Matt. And we'd go to like Miami or shit. No, he didn't come on that one. Actually, we went to North Carolina and we go up to Boston and out to Cincinnati. And we just kept on building. And I had this idea for Flora to, to make a, a handrail video part or at least a handrail section where the tricks mirror each other and fold over each other and, and come back and wanted to put in some new some mbds out there so i was like going around to all these rails that matt had in mind he's good about finding spots he's really good at that and we, yeah we just we go out on sessions and i mean we've been filming together since i graduated school in 2017 so 
we're close friends and we're always hanging out. So it just feels natural, just like it is with me and Justin. Whenever I'm back in the Bay, I'm always skating with him. And Justin, when uh, things started really kicking off in 2020, like when I realized that the My Gazelle colorway was actually coming out. Wait, did I just say 2021? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 2021 is when things really started kicking off. Like midway through the year, I realized, oh shit, I have to, my Gazelle colorway is coming out. My Spitfire part is kind of done and I should round it up or round it off. And, and Justin's like, dude, we have so much footage. Like you gotta, you gotta put it out. I was, th- I was saying to him like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I don't really want to put out. Cause I just want this to be a handrail part. I, I don't know if I like this clip, that clip, like they're, they're getting old. He's like, you got to put it out before it gets old. So he would come to New York and help Matt out with filming. He'd stay at my place and we would have stress sessions where I would struggle to come up with spots every day. Cause after skating New York for the whole pandemic, for the whole like worst of the pandemic, March to June, I was fucking dry, you know, running dry on spot ideas. So yeah, we uh, did that, but then went back to the Bay and started thinking about all these old rail spots with Justin's help and missioned out to places like Manteca for that tiny red rail and up in, um, fuck, what's that town? Tracy Stockton. I'm thinking of that kinked rail at the Triple Kink Rail School. Man, I don't know. I can't like, think of it. It's in, uh, I think it's near Vallejo. It could be in Vallejo. But Maybe yeah. Fairfield? Richmond? Not as far as Fairfield, but yeah, it's in the East Bay. What kind of, you know, I know music is a huge part of, you know, it's intertwined with skating. What kind of music do you like skating to? And what kind of music do you like putting your footage to? You know, like some of your, your top groups or, or albums. When I'm out skating, like skating around downtown New York, when I'm skating around my area and not trying to go to the park and like learn a trick or whatever, I'll listen to like fast paced stuff. I mean, I kind of I kind of gravitate to indie music mostly, but I just like to have high energy, fast paced stuff with like a good a good beat. I do. So like lately, I've been listening to Perfume Genius, which kind of fits in that category. He's got a lot of fast paced songs that are still like indie indie rock shit. But uh, lately, I've been listening to some electronica, too. And as far as putting my skating to music, I kind of want to do the same thing stick to the category of music that I've always been been interested in like that I feel like I mean I listen to a lot of stuff I don't just listen to any rock but sometimes I feel like that kind of gets at at um, you know kind of speaks to my personality and then Justin Albert will listen to that stuff too and that's how like we kind of collaborate but I would say he's way better at picking songs than I am when as far as as far as like knowing what's actually going to work in a video part I hear something and I think that's like the feeling I want, but he knows, no, that song's not going to work because it doesn't build. It doesn't, it doesn't have any uh, variety. Like we need something else. I need something I can edit to, but yeah. When, when you were sitting there at the beginning of the year, you know, did you tell yourself like, dude, I'm going to come out with four parts this year and really kind of slam the lid on this or did it kind of come, come together gradually? It came together really gradually. Uh, I did a nine club podcast in August and they told, they were like, what about Sodi this year? And I was like, 
not this year, this year is like almost done. But in late September, when we were, when Justin and I were finishing up our gazelle part and we had gotten a lot of stuff for Flora that, we, that I knew was going to be in Flora. I had the idea that Flora would come out at the end of the next year. And, you know, like I'm in conversation with the dudes at Thrasher. They like Burnett hit me up in the middle of the year and asked me like, hey, when's this big, this next big Mark part going to come out? I want to know so that we could plan stuff out. Like, you know, it's not, it's not so mysterious as maybe people think it is. It's like, okay, if you're in the scene, people know who you are and you're dropping stuff that people like, then you're going to be a contender for Sodi. So you can work with them and be like upfront about stuff. So I told Burnett like, oh no, it's not till next year. But then at the end of September, there was talk amongst people at Adidas because my gazelle part was coming out. They like wanted they wanted me to put more stuff out because they had heard they had heard from 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 people that like you know so and so is gonna drop a part and so and so's got another part but it's like maybe not as good as you would think so really like Mark has a great chance and doesn't seem like doesn't seem like anybody's gonna put out the next fully flared this year and Mark has all this footage so I was like all right bug it we'll try it because I I had that gazelle part coming out and I knew I had other footage, but I was like, all right, we still got some time. I can, I can like, see, the thing is, I really, I like the deadline stress. I like the idea of like just working and like getting into the workflow and losing yourself in the work of it and being kind of monomaniacal about it. You're a game six guy, dude. <laughs> what does that mean? Game six, you know, like in the playoffs, Jordan, when he had the flu, he had to show up. I mean, Pippen says he didn't have the flu, but. You I don't know, know Pippen... if that's game six, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> are you sure that wasn't game six? Well, uh, maybe it was different. Game anyways. six, though, basically means like you need to win the game. You rise up like you crush it in game six. And that's yeah. your game six guy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that feeling of, uh, of like the pressure mounting and feeling like, you know, whatever you, you're, if, if you're in the zone, if you are having some doubts, but you know you can get past them, like that is just such a fun place to be in where I'm like, fuck, this could be really good. I just, I guess I feel comfortable with, with video part deadlines since I've been doing it since I was a kid. You know, what I explained earlier about like being 12, 13, 14 and like stressing out over deadlines. It's a good time to not really worry about feeling dedicated because sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're like gung ho about, doing shit it can come off a little weird like you're like you're too focused on one thing and you're not like a laid back person is just going with the flow like it can be a little i don't know uh imposing. ocd what'd you say ocd maybe yeah but then when i but i am kind of like just have little bits of ocd me too um, for sure yeah, it's, so. it's you're a little too ari goldish like you know an entourage he's always self-absorbed in something like non-stop and that's cool when like you're saying it's for your you're like have your eyes on the prize but to always be so self-absorbed to where you're missing out and everything shut yeah. off can be too much exactly exactly so I said, okay, this is a great time when I can really fucking focus on something and feel unapologetic about that. I'm just going to go in and I've had this idea about getting all these rail tricks that will fit together in a part. And now everybody is, is behind me and telling me, yes, whatever you're doing, do it. So Adidas gave me 
so much support for the rest of the year. Like, what does that mean? Like, how do they, like, what, what do they give to you in support? They, they just like, Hey, like, we're going to give you the funds to go travel where, you know, like, is that what that means? Yeah, definitely. Adidas is good about travel. You know, they're, they're definitely not leaving you in the lurch when you need to go on a team trip, of course, like they're paying for you, but then you can go on other filming missions. You know, normally, normally it's supposed to be like, all right, is this, are you filming for Adidas? Then we'll pay for it. But sometimes even if it's for a habitat part, they'll cover the bill. And this, at the end of this year, it was like, no matter what you're filming or at the end of last year, no matter what you're filming for, we got you on travel. So it was like, all right, trip, a trip to Cleveland, just a a one hour flight. Cause I think, Oh, the weather's looking good. I think I'm going to go back to the CSU rail tomorrow. They're like, yeah, no problem. So that was, that was a lot of fun. I I took a lot of quick flights from here to, to Cleveland, to Cincinnati. Where else did I go? Fuck a lot of to the Bay area. A lot. I went to new Orleans on a trip with them. I guess that's kind of what I was doing. Like, was it a lot of fun to skate the pier? What kind of, what, what was that vibe like for you? Yeah, that was awesome. That was also another trip. Like I, Justin was finishing up the gazelle part and he, he was like, dude, there's a really nice pier section at the beginning, but it does, it feels too short. I want to start off with like five clips there. We need like one or two more. So I flew out to SF for a week and that's when we got that Ollie Ollie backside flip line. Mm-hmm. And I think something else, maybe not. But uh, yeah, that was just so fucking fun. The first time I skated there, I think it was on my birthday, August 3rd of last year. And it was just such a good birthday present because I had, I skated the pier when I was a kid, just doing like, I think I was probably a 10 and couldn't actually front blunt, but would go across the top of okay. the mani pads yep. and just stall a front blunt and drop off the edge because there, mm-hmm. cur- there were curbs, you know, so. It wasn't too scary, but I remember doing it on like all four of them back when the, the fourth one wasn't, wasn't, didn't have shit on it. But yeah, so skating it again was so awesome and like skating it after so many years where I've come into such knowledge of, of skating, like from actually doing it and from watching videos, like, and skating real plazas like Love Park, getting used to that culture and then coming back coming back to to SF where I never really felt like there was a plaza like third and army third and army is a great spot but it's not a plaza and yeah it just felt so amazing to have that culture like in the in SF for a second and it, I guess I don't know is it still there really it is yeah it got capped and the next day it got uncapped so it's, oh so is it fully uncapped now it's not fully it's it's skatable don't uh, tell him it's uncapped Mike we might lose him for the last couple of minutes he's gone dude you know what I mean? <laughs> It, it's it's part it's skatable it's uncapped in certain areas some guys came in and and you know went to town uh on it but yeah i mean it's such an i love it you know i i, I it's a lot of fun for me mike's always um, out there i am dude i'm yeah it's you, such a good place do you ever skate um connect with nico we had him on the show nico haraga i just i see him around i say hi yeah. You know, I'm I'm homies with Lil Dre and Tafari and he's good friends with them. So when yeah, when I see him around, like I remember just a couple months ago I saw him at at Tompkins 
And uh, I had to go over to him and congratulate him on his role in Booksmart because I had watched that movie on the plane back from the Bay. And I was like, this movie's fucking hilarious, dude. He kills it in this. So I told him and he was hyped. You know, you talked about, uh, you know, enjoying the pressure. And, you know, how does that affect your health after the fact? You know what I'm saying? And, and are you able to kind of decompress now that it's all done? How did, what did you say? How does that affect how you're able to decompress after? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a lot of stress to put on yourself, on your mind. You know, I'm someone who's really big on mental health. And I think a lot yeah. of people who work in these really high level, high pressure situations, you know, usually have good ways to kind of decompress and, and take that all in. Can you just mm -hmm. talk on that just a little bit? Yeah, I've been I've been uh, struggling a little bit with that. What was Dom? What was your entourage reference? What's the dude's name? That was the Ari Gold. Um, basically, the fully you know, like twenty four seven, self absorbed. No offense, his, his real name's Ari Emanuel. He's the he's he's Mark Wahlberg's agent, but you know, in the show, he's twenty four. He ne he's never off. He's always in Ari yeah. mode. Yeah. So, I guess I guess I could be like that, but my dad was a little bit like that, and I'm wary of becoming, of like in the movie Click. I don't know if you guys remember that one, but oh, he clicks yeah. past his life because he's just trying to get a promotion. He's like, I want to get the promotion. It's like, oh, fuck, you just lit, you lost like a year and a half of your life because it kind of feels like that. You know, when you're so focused on one thing, you miss out on a lot of shit. So I was having a lot of fun and I'm super excited about the award and and feeling really confident about that. But so on the other side of it now, I'm just, as I said, trying to unhinge, uh, disconnect myself from like gotta film this gotta film that gotta have a project rolling and just trying to enjoy just like live still live deeply because that's the most fun about losing yourself in a project like a video part you feel like you're really deeply deeply connected to something that you know really well so it's a deep experience of life and I'm still trying to do that but with shit that I'm not as familiar with like uh like I've been going to museums a bit just looking at the same paintings a lot and started and just trying to get just like noticing what that does to look at something for longer to feel a deeper connection arise just out of being there with something and i'm i'm kind of pushing against the idea that i need to have goals in my everyday life but i that is kind of how i'm wired i like to be able to look back on my day and say, I did this, I did that. Whether it's chores or enjoying like a good meal or something like that. What about your personal relationships with whether it's a fiance or, or family or, or girlfriend, stuff like that? I mean, are you, are you able to kind of reignite that flame as well? Yeah. So I was in a relationship for four years and then in April I ended things and I I have a really good support group, my family, a lot of friends, you know, Justin Albert, for instance, was a, was a really close one when I was going through that and needing to feel heard and, and acknowledged. So that was definitely my way through that. But I came out feeling really good and excited. I reconnected with the girl that I had, I had had a little thing with in 2015. And we spent a lot of good time over the summer and uh just kind of like kept things light and i was just focusing on skating and then in uh in september we were like all right let's see let's see if this works dope 
and yeah, so I was going through all this SOTI pressure while entering a new relationship, which was pretty, pretty tough to balance, but it actually helped a little bit because, because going into things, I, as I said, I can be a little OCD. So I like to, you know, I'm like thinking about her all the time and wanting to be there, but that can be a lot in a new relationship when you want to like, make sure you respect each other as separate people. So having the SOTI stuff was really good. You know, I was constantly away and like, we're, we're just seeing each other like once every, once every three weeks, hang out for a couple of days. But yeah, there were some really stressful times that, that she, her name's Claire needed to, had to help me through because, you know, I'm stressing and the only way for me to talk is to talk about the thing I'm stressed about. And it was difficult for her because she's having to learn how to help me calm down because I can't do it myself since it's like, it's not going away unless I'm filming shit, but it's also like a wake up call to me. Like, all right, you, you know, if you're in a relationship, you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta focus, be the captain of your own mental health. You know, you can't <clears throat> leave that to someone else. So it's, that's what I've been working on lately is like self-soothing kind of looking for shit, meditating a bit, just, reading helps me listening to music going for a drive i'm in therapy and that that helps for sure yep but yeah she came with me to the sodi party which was awesome because i felt like she had definitely helped me a lot through that stress and it was amazing to share that moment with her and then we just hung out with family with each other's families like i went and stayed with her family uh, she was staying with mine in in sf or in the barrier and then i went out to to see her mom in Vermont and her dad in New Jersey and she's staying with me now. So it's been, a, it's been a chill time where we are just kind of like relaxing and I'm, I have no schedule so we can just hang out as much as we want. It's nice. When you, when you go to a spot like Jersey or Vermont, do you ever go, Hey, I'm sorry. I know we're doing the family thing today, but I have to just skate this spot. I just need like 10 minutes at this spot. I have, <laughs> I have to just get a little cut. You know, does that, does that happen to you? Or are you, are you pretty good about just being like, you know, like, you know, you're off, you, you're relaxing. You just did 10,000 hours of footage. It's like, yeah. You know, I mean, dude, I've, point. I've, I've traveled a lot. So the, the desire, the need to like skate this one spot. I mean, I've skated a lot of spots. <laughs> there's a slim chance that we're going to go by a spot that I'm like, I never skated that. And I have to. Yeah. And we went to Vermont for four days, like over the last weekend. Uh, and it was covered in snow. I went skiing. Uh, that was fun, but yeah, Jersey was cold. I'm like, so not skating right now, unless my friends are having a really good time and they're like, Hey Mark, come out skate with us. Or if I'm just like cruising around, you know, well, dude, I think we could talk all day. Before we let you go, we do a quick trivia round. Nice. It's called the Bridge to Bridge Lightning Round, and it's and it's made extremely difficult on purpose. And, and by the way, uh, Mark, we can do this offline, but Dom does a very good impression of Christopher Walken. He'll have to do that for you. But I'm gonna grab <laughs> I'm gonna grab this belt real quick so we can show you. And Dom, you can explain it. Sick. Yeah. So yeah, so we do the bridge to bridge lightning round. We have a belt. It's the bridge to bridge champ. It's the, the 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 questions get progressively more difficult. So they're tough. It's hard. A lot of people don't get out of round one. It's one of those things we make tough on purpose. But you know, you 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 should be good here. And I know Mike 
I think is gonna Mike is gonna jump on the first question. Well, There's the, the belt. That's the belt, bro. The it's current the current belt shit. holder is uh, Jeremy Fish, who you he he's done some design work, for graphic design for boards and stuff like that. But he's a, a well known artist in San Francisco. Has his own day, Jeremy Fish Day. Wow. Um. So yeah, that's the belt. And if you win, you can uh, you know we'll get it to you and make sure you can you know put it on uh, in the garage somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So All Mike right. has a first question for you. All right, let's All do this. All right, so uh, there's a skate house in North Beach where uh, actually some Thanks, of Newell. Okay, dude, he got dude. it right off the bat. Damn, dude. Newell House, he got it. <sighs> well, <clears throat> okay. Here's question number two. There's a one-way alley in San Francisco. It connects Grant Ave in Chinatown and Columbus Ave in North Beach. And it's named after a beat generation writer who spent a lot of time in the Bay Area. He's a beat Nick. He was a he was a beat generation writer, well known. All right, I'm gonna take a guess here. I'm gonna say it's uh, Ginsburg. <sighs> Damn. Okay, wait. We will we will allow one redemption out of question two because the the the, the next two questions are so hard. We're gonna give what's called. Um, wait, is it okay? Go ahead, explain. So this is an artist I've seen. You're a fan of this writer. Sorry, not an artist. It's a writer. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Kerouac. Kerouac. That's right. Kerouac. Jack Kerouac Alley. Actually, some I, I did not know that that's the alley connecting Grant Ave in Chinatown. Yeah, Columbus right by Ave. City Lights. Yep. Dope bookstore. <clears throat> okay. We're, we're starting to get real tough. This question, this should be a conflict of interest because Jeremy Fish actually came up with this question. Who's the current belt holder. So it's almost like, you know what I mean? It's not right, dude. Cause he's trying to hold on to this thing. So <clears throat> what Taylor designed the first pair of pants for Levi Strauss during the gold rush? And here is a hint. His grandson started a world famous clothing line in San Francisco in 1935 they also make heavy duty pants so again this is you just have to name the family name of the tailor who designed the first pair of pants for levi strauss during the gold rush and his grandson years later started a world famous clothing line they make very durable pants san francisco brand 1935. Fuck. and these pants yeah. are worn by skaters too Wait, hold on. Can you just tell me the, the question one more time? Yep. Okay. That so basically there was a tailor who designed the first pair of pants for Levi Strauss during the gold oh. rush. The name of that tailor, you you can you can get the name because his grandson started a world famous clothing line in San Francisco in nineteen thirty five. They also make heavy duty durable pants. I'm gonna give you a hint. Well no I have no. ideas, but I'm pretty sure they're wrong. Hey, you, you got to, you know what I mean? You got to just shoot that gap, man. And just, you know, Mike's <laughs> giving me a hint. Mike, give a hint. Okay. All right. The hint is, I'll, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a, a hint. Hold on. There's a monkey. Ben Davis. I mean, that's not a hint. That's the answer, bro. Jeremy. Hey, that was my answer though. Jeremy Fish is going to kill this guy for what he just did. I'm going to tell that him. That was straight up my answer. I just didn't know if it was SF and I didn't know if it was that old. You're, hey, we're counting it. You are, you are, okay. Now I'm going to give you a split in the road. It's a movie question. Now you, you're, you said you're a big movie fan. Are you, uh -huh. a, are you a fan of old movies? Yeah. You are. Okay. So you like like old nostalgic movies. Sure. 
Okay, you said something in our interview that made me think of a movie. You said that lately you've been going to museums and just looking at at yeah. paintings for a while. Yeah. Can you tell me the name of the Hitchcock movie? Where, oh my God, we, <laughs> dude, Fish is gonna be so upset, dude. Like I, Fish is gonna be so upset at Mike. He's probably gonna he he won't no. not talk to Mike anymore. <laughs> New champ, baby, let's go, dude. He is not gonna talk to Mike. I, when I tell him, dude, he is <laughs> gonna be so upset, Mike. I I, I I'm worried because there's a good I should have just said Ben Davis before. I should have second guessed myself. It's all right, man. You know what? It's it's good. You know what you my want. other movie question was gonna be? Um, name the movie that takes place in San Francisco where Robert De Niro is harassing Wesley Snipes as a San Francisco Giant baseball player. Don't know that one. Definitely don't know that one. That one's it? the fan. The fan. And? But you got vertigo, which, which hey, is hella hard. She, she's, always, she's always hard. looking at that. She's always looking at that painting. Museums and SF, I was like, no problem. Damn it, dude. Fish is an unhappy camper, but Mark is the new champ, dude. New so, champ. so. I doubt you. Dude, yeah. we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to somehow uh, gift you with something since you're in New York and we can't get the belt to you, but. Uh, we'll, we'll get some. We're, gonna, we're thinking about turning the belt into an NFT. That way we can just send it to someone's <laughs> wallet. You know, Amazing. We'll, I've always wanted an NFT. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll convert it. I know this isn't the same as the 2021 Thrasher Skater of the Year, but hopefully it holds a I might be, you know, I might be equally stoked on this. Sick. It's Dude. just the two sides of my life, you know, skateboarding and intellectual domination yeah very cool dude mark thank you so much for coming on the show uh i can't tell you how appreciative we are of you hey thank you so much that was so much fun i appreciate you guys having me yeah yeah dude anything for you know for promoting your work and projects you're working on we're you know always happy and and we're proud of you dude the the whole thank bay you, area man. is is proud to have you as an ambassador so thanks for coming on man great times good times thank you guys We'll we'll have Dom send you a walking impression. Uh, Please do. My friend has a good one about a turkey, about a Thanksgiving turkey. Dom, you, you want to give him a little walking impression Can real do quick? Do that one? Yeah, I don't remember the click thing, but I know he probably said something like, well, you got this remote control, and I'm telling you, this thing is a passport to another life. I can tell you're worried about film and skate videos or something like that. It's, it's going to solve all your problems. Come on. Get your head out of your ass. Come on. Get the, get the remote control. Let's go. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> that was so good. All those facial gestures were fucking on point. I'm He's got a that. bunch. He's, He's got, got that subtle. He, he has that subtle. Uh, yeah, dude. So, yeah, man. Well, well you're not, when it, I'm, I'm always around to make you a custom Christopher Walken piece for like a, a skate uh, sequence intro, dude, where it's like. Nice. In like. <laughs> This guy, he's out of his mind. Come on. And then boom, it just starts, you know? That'll be good. All right, Mark. Thanks again, brother. Of course. Have a great day, you guys. Yeah, I'll talk Thanks, to you man. soon. Good to All meet right, you, Dom. Absolutely. Yeah. Likewise. Peace. Peace. Thanks.